So let's let's do it. Let's go down the the overrated subsets. Yeah, let's let's lose some friends here. I, I think we're gonna have fun with the next topic. Cardboard Connection says, while every collector has their own opinion on what constitutes the best vintage top set, few can argue that this is among the most beautiful in terms of sheer aesthetic value. Well, I am among those few, ladies and gentlemen, who's about to argue it. This is Rough Cuts, a conversation among friends about the vintage sports card hobby. I'm Jonathan, Sports Cards and Sunsets, here with my collector buddies Matthew, 1956 Tops Guy, and Nate in Cardboard Veritas, as well as everyone joining us on the Instagram live chat this evening, December 17th, 2023. All right, so today um, we have December 17th, 2023, so our next episode of Rough Cuts here is just about to begin. So as Jonathan said, we've got the um, the audio up in podcast form in multiple places. And one thing that's cool is um, the audio is actually better <laughs> in the podcast form than it is live. And and that's largely due to Jonathan and uh, applying some nice um, filtering algorithms to improve the audio quality. So hopefully that's looking good. Um, also want to shout out Nate. We got to, if you noticed today in all of our um, advertisements for today's episode um we have a new um a, a new picture a new background picture that that nate made which is uh composed of of cards that we actually own so that's that's kind of cool so we're rolling that out so as you can see we're kind of upping our marketing game considerably as we look to take over hobby financing <laughs> world <laughs> um so yeah so we got the date out of the way so so i'm 1956 tops guy i'm joined again by my buddies at in cardboard veritas nate on the top and then we've got jonathan over to my side at sports cards and sunsets and so today we're probably going to run about hour and a half hour hour to hour and a half we've got a few different uh topics lined up so i want to just kind of introduce what those topics are so um, after we complete this introduction, we're going to go to our kind of bread and butter, which is um, our vintage highlight. We're each going to talk about a card we've been kind of vibing on recently, whether we bought it recently or not, doesn't really matter. It's whatever we're really kind of feeling recently. Um, then we're going to move on to um, what we're calling or what Nate nicely named scuba gear. So that's where we're going to do a deep dive. Today's deep dive is going to be on the recent congressional gold medal winner, Larry Doby. So we're going to talk a little bit about Adobe. We're going to talk about his cards, ones that we like, and, and this sort of thing. So that'll be fun, kind of getting into the weeds a little bit. Um, I discovered some interesting things just going through it today. So that was pretty fun. Um, then we're going to do our Rocking the Boat. This time, uh, you know, that's where we do overrated and underrated in the vintage hobby. And today we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're not going to do a player. We're going to do a set. So we're each going to go through, pick a set that we think is underrated and pick a set that we think is overrated in the hobby. Usually we generate uh, a lot of contents and fun antics when we have that conversation. So that'll be great. Um, then we're just going to follow it up with uh, kind of a closeout. we got a couple different topics there, and that might be a little bit of a, we'll see how much time we have. So um, with that, maybe we can start off with the the vintage highlight. Uh, Nate, do you, would you mind going first on that? Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Um, and yeah, thanks. Thanks for that um, lead in, Matthew. And maybe just shout out a few of our buddies here who were in the chat before we jump in. I saw um, Publius13 is here. And as usual, he's um, 
he's given us a little bit of a uh, little bit of guff here saying he's waiting for us boomers to get our um to get our going he said our aol subscription must have expired so that's good i think he blamed that on me <laughs> right yeah. Uh, Bob host the collection said, can't wait to hear about the next card you're going to influence me to buy. I think, um, Matt, you talked about Hank Greenberg uh, recently and Bob ended up buying a really nice. Um, uh, what was it? The Diamond Stars? Yeah. 35 Diamond Stars. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've seen I think we have uh, a few more of our buddies in here. I don't know. I just went quickly through the uh, through the chat to see if you Hank. PSA um, just joined as well. So yeah, so, several of our buddies here. Thank you all for joining. R really appreciate you guys coming on. And, you know, as always, definitely, you know, be active in the chat, give us questions, give us comments, and we'll, um, you know, we'll try to shout them out as as much as we can. Um, JT just joined as well. What's up, JT? <laughs> our good buddies there. So uh, yeah, in terms of um, cards uh you know vintage cards to to highlight i'm going with a few that i just got in the mail from another uh pwcc mail day here this week so um been doing a little bit of work on my 61 fleer set and it's actually the only set that i'm working on building right now and i got um three new ones in the mail just the other day wow. Yeah, a couple nice ones. You know, it's it's kind of mid-grade set. I'm mostly like kind of fours to sixes, a couple sevens mixed in. I have a couple cards signed mixed in. It's kind of an eclectic set that I'm building. Um, the koozie is actually an upgrade um, over one of the first cards that I got from this set. It was um, it wasn't it was a five, but it wasn't a very nice copy. So I'm uh, uh, gonna be putting this 4.5 in so yeah i'm showing um you know for folks that that can't see i have a wayne Embry uh psa4 a bob Cousy psa uh, 4.5 and a jack twyman in action psa4 and those are all from the 1961 fleer set which i've been working on and i'm probably about 40 percent of the way through some people would probably build that set in um about a week and a half but <laughs> here so um and then here's the kind of card that i've had had out on my my desk a lot this week so this is the 1952 burke ross um jackie robinson and um when this one popped up on ebay was it matthew did you point this one out yeah i thought yeah. so given our group so many assists if i don't know who turned me on to a card at a certain point i just assume it's you but i was pretty sure this one was actually you so um this card is uh, is one that I know, you know, you guys helped me look for at the National and is a really tough one to find um, both centered and registered as so to find it as a PSA two and really, really nice condition. It's got a couple of light creases on it, but they're you can see the front here. They're pretty tough to see. I You know, I, there's one main one that it's really pretty much just visible from the back. So. It's uh, it's a really nice copy, good color, good reg, good centering, kind of exactly what we look for in those low-grade cards. And most of them that look like this that I've seen sell in the last couple of years have had price tags around five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000. So to find this one for a fraction of that was uh, was a really nice addition to the Jackie grouping. Stunning for a two, Nate. Absolutely stunning for a two. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I, look, I looked at a couple of those in, in uh, Chicago, 
and they were all really faded. And that one just has really nice contrast. It's a what a cool card. Yeah. I mean, Jackie didn't have nearly enough cards to satisfy us collectors, but that is a, a beauty. That's awesome. Nate, are you um are you doing the registry on the 61 Fleer? I am not. No, I have not started doing that. I probably should. It's a good idea. I have not done anything with the registry previously, um, but it might be a fun way to do it. And I am trying to do them all in uh, PSA. So it it would be viable. That's something I'll probably need to look into. Good idea. Yeah, yeah I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of, it's got its pluses and minuses, right? Like I kind of like take offense to my cards, like being graded just by their grades, right? That's kind of the whole point of like eye appeal. But right. it's kind of cool just to like, see what other people have and, and this kind of thing. So in that sense, I, I think it's fun. Yeah. And what have you done it with, Matthew? Okay, so I've done it with um, 56 Tops Hall of Famers and Ernie, my Ernie Banks, like, basic runs. So those are the two. And I think I think my ranking on both of those is, like, mid in the mid-20s or something like that. Right. Yeah. I've, I've dabbled as well. I The first one I completed was my Don Mossy run, which was uh you guys it's my instagram uh profile pic so you know i'm a mossy collector but he only has i think it's 11 cards and they're cheap so i just decided i'm gonna get them all on psa a plus and i and now i can boast the third best don mossy collection globally ladies and gentlemen so um that that was fun enough that i'm working on a few others too i feel like jonathan that should be like on your shirt at next year's national somehow that needs to be like you should be at the PSA award ceremony for that. <laughs> it's a it's a flex for sure. <laughs> All right, should I go? Yeah, Jonathan, I go. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flash a couple of raw cards. Most of the graded cards I've been buying lately have been going to my PWCC vault, uh, where where Nate just got a shipment from. So that I have to wait, you know, three months to get those without the higher fulfillment fee. But the raw cards I buy come right to my home, which is fun. Um, and as you guys know, I'm working on several different pages of my raw binder where I have to curate the top nine card of whatever the theme of the pages. And one of mine is the 61 Fleer as well. So this one I just got this week. This is the Hal Greer. Um, it's a, he's a Hall of Fame rookie. And if you, if you read about this guy, he was a monster. And um, I found a really nice um, centered, bright color uh Greer rookie for my for my binder, so I, I decided that was going to be one of the nine, just given it's a Hall of Fame rookie, and and I don't want to have, you know, more like really valuable uh, cards on the in the binder pages like a Wilt rookie or um, a Jerry West rookie. So I thought that was a great one for the binder. It it has a very small little uh, wrinkle in it. It would probably grade a three, but it's pretty nice, right? Color is amazing on that. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I like the I like the photograph of him. It's, it's got the bright red background, and I'll show you one more. Um, so I'm also working on a, a 1950 Bowman baseball page. These are the really little, almost square shaped cards, and this I I think is the best rookie in the set. It's it's a set that doesn't have a Hall of Fame rookie, but I'm showing the Don Newcomb, and um, it's just you know I found a pretty nicely centered one. Um, it's it's got one of those tape marks on the back here. Uh, but I just I found this for what I thought was a really good price. I, I actually had been looking all year long for one of these as well. So that's Newcomb has one of the nine spots on my 1950 Bowman page. And I I think for both of those, I have four of the nine spots filled. So it's it's nice to have projects 
that take a long time. Uh, that's that's the way I like to do it in the hobby. But those both came recently. Those are fun ones, man. Yeah, the Newcomb is, I really like that card. He's, that's one where it kind of looks like he has a halo, right? The way the color yeah. emanates from his head, which is yeah. really neat. Um, yeah, I think one of the better looking cards, there are a lot of great looking cards from that set, but that one's right up there. And then Hal Greer, I actually, I, I enjoyed hearing his name and I was watching a Philadelphia Eagles game a couple weeks ago and they referenced Hal Greer. Someone playing for the Eagles had just, um, surpassed the record for most games played for the Eagles. I think it was one of their linebackers, maybe. I'm not even uh-huh. But they talked about Hal Greer. Um, they were then talking about all the Philly franchises, and it was Hal Greer for the Philly basketball team. I, I probably wasn't, I don't know if he ever played for the 76ers. It was probably the Warriors at the time, but um, it was cool to hear him get a shout out at that point. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great looking card. Tremendous player, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, super... Um... One of those early, like super intimidating pitchers, right? Like you think about like when I think about intimidating pitchers, I think of Newcomb, I think of Gibson, I think of Dave Stewart. Those are the ones I always think of as like just guys that you gotta you gotta have some cojones to step into the box against those guys. You look you look up his career accomplishments and he, he must have been close to making the hall. I mean, he, he uh, some of some of what he did in his career is is pretty impressive. And I'd really enjoyed listening to him. He's had a few guest appearances on the Black Diamonds podcast, which Matthew, you introduced me to. And he, I, I just love hearing Newcomb's old, old stories from back in the day. Great guy and, and amazing player. Yeah. And I like that trio, Matthew. That's a good call with three really intimidating guys for sure. No one else is jumping immediately to mind for me as a, you know, if you're a lefty, I would, I sure wouldn't have wanted to step in against Randy Johnson. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna put Ron, yeah for, for me Gibson and Randy Johnson are the two most intimidating pitchers ever probably. But Dave Stewart, the way he'd pull that hat down and just scowl in at the plate, like he he was a tough dude. Yeah, I think um I remember this awesome. I think so. Dave Stewart told this awesome story on the Black Diamonds podcast, which is like I think when he made his first All Star team, Bob Gibson told him like when you go in a locker room, don't talk to anybody. Like none of those guys are your friends. Like as soon as you leave that, you know, so he's like sitting there in the corner and like, I guess like, you know, in the, um, you know, in the locker room, like before the all-star game, he's like sulking in the corner and people are like, what is wrong with you? And he was like, I think later he was like, Gibson told me to do it. Don't get the heart. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, so awesome. So I think I'll jump in here if you guys are good with that. So my first vintage pickup that I'm really excited about is the shirt, the, the, the jersey I'm wearing. So this is like one of the coolest things I've purchased in a long time. So this is, um, so, so Mitchell, Mitchell and Nest, like that's the company they make like these old, they make reproductions of old jerseys. And I've been waiting, this is, this is a 1987 road jersey for the Cubs, Andre Dawson in my size. They don't, they don't make it anymore. So when I found it on eBay, I jumped on it right away. And I feel like I'm just wearing it like all the time. So this is definitely what I'm. One of the things I'll be wearing when I go to card shows is this Audrey Dawson jersey. It's so much well, fun. Speaking of intimidating guys. Yeah. But you might have people giving you a little wider berth wearing that jersey. <laughs> you know, if you like, uh, <laughs> That's yeah, this, this thing is sweet, man. It's really cool. I love the colors, too. When I first saw it on you, like, is my guy wearing a Bills jersey for me? Because, those, you know, we had a big win over the Cowboys today. I was like, man, those, that's some pretty good colors. But no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. this guy's cubbies all the way yeah that's awesome 
for people out there, I think these jerseys are pretty expensive, brand new, but you can find them on eBay for reasonable prices. So I feel like this is like a tip of the iceberg thing. Who, who knows what else I'm going to find? But it's so cool because like these are the colors and, the, the you know, this is the style that I remember so much as a kid, especially when I was first collecting cards. So super jazzed about this uh, vintage pickup in some sense. Um, my other one is this guy here. So um, last week I showed, um, you know, my I showed my like 56 tops early wins. So I'm not just collecting the big cards, but um, lately I've been feeling um, feeling this Jackie Robinson rookie. I got it maybe a month or two ago. Um, I got it from Card Games. Those are some like flipper guys on um, on Instagram. And you know, I, this is like a card that I talked a lot about how. Like, this is not my favorite Jackie Robinson card, but gosh dang it, it's so important. <laughs> it's just so freaking important to the hobby. Yeah, and nice. it's just like, you can't, I felt like I was like not having one um, and walking around as like a vintage collector, just like, it just didn't sit right with me. <laughs> and so um, I've been kind of like biding my time to try to find the the right one. And this one popped up. It does have like, you can't probably see it in the in the video here, but there's a little, you know, there's a crease that's kind of cutting across um, right around his, through his hat a little bit, you know, but these are the things that that you learn to love over time. And, um, you know, I think the centering is so nice and so important for me on this car was, was registration. And this one has, it's not like, you know, perfect, perfect. You can see there's a little bit of a gap between like the little line in his shoulder but i mean it's it's really good it's really really good and for the grade i was like this is this is the one for me and i mean Man. also you know I, the other thing is that you know it's just so dang important right and you just read the back of it and it tells you you know first negro player in modern organized baseball i mean yeah. you gotta have this card right i mean you just have to so so i've been really feeling this one lately you know and i think that like you know it all like, you know, oftentimes you talk about vintage cards coming back to to Mickey Mantle, but, you know, I think that, you know, of certainly like greater stature for, for many different reasons is Jackie Robinson, especially when viewed through the modern lens. And so I'm just super honored and happy to have this one in the PC. And, you know, that's the one that I'm, that's the one I'm feeling right now. Man, that's a showstopper. We we could just end this right now. That's a <laughs> on the first topic. What, what, that's a heck of a two. Uh, and Wax Ripper in the comments said he just picked up a a one. Uh, congrats on getting one. I I have not yet had uh, one of those in my personal collection, but hope to someday. Matthew, is it right that you traded uh, a Jackie rookie away to Ash when you picked up your mantle, and then you know inside of a year you you ended up buying one back? Is that how it went? You got it. You got it. So, um, yeah, this is my, this is the second one I've owned. The first one, I actually bought it from Luke. Who, I saw him in the chat. I don't know if he's still in here, but, but Bleecker Street Cards, he bought, it's a very, I'll take a few minutes to tell the story because it's such a cool card. So, um, this, this woman who's like an antique buyer in Indianapolis, like bought like this, like owl alarm clock. And with it came this like little box. And she said, there's a few cards in it. And so this lady buys this owl clock and this box and she opens it up and there's a freaking 1948 leaf Jackie Robinson in there that she took to baseball card exchange in Indianapolis. And they, they made like a cool reel about it. Um, came back a 1.5, uh, Luke bought it from her. I bought it from Luke, but then I ended up, you know, in, in, in my, um, 
you know, my need to kind of grab a bunch of cards to get that mantle that, that Jackie ended up in the deal to Ash. And I think he sold it like right away. I remember seeing it on Facebook and congratulating the person who won it because it was a really nice 1.5. I never knew that was yours. That video of that woman, um, you can find it on YouTube. I, I've watched that video and I didn't realize that was Luke's card and then your card. I, I love the little pieces of providence and the hobby of of how these these treasures get passed around. No doubt, no doubt. You know what else is cool is that I saw Ash, I looks like, was just in here. Uh, yeah, Day Sports Cards. I, I don't know if he's still there as well, but your whole kind of Jackie journey is uh, is in the chat tonight. But <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Small world. Yeah, really. That That's great, man. And I know that's a card. Um, it kind of took a little while for you to sort of really get comfortable having and pursuing and yeah, I think aesthetically, it, it wasn't an immediately attractive card to you, but it's it's cool to hear the story in terms of how you're thinking about it has continued to evolve. And certainly we all have that with cards that, you know, either we love and then for whatever reason, you know, come to appreciate a little less or I'd say more commonly the evolution you've had with that card, which is for whatever reason, it doesn't hit us quite right initially, but then over time, you know, for whatever reasons and the reasons are plentiful with that card we come to appreciate it and and enjoy it more and more over time so that's that's cool to hear how that's happened for you with that one and you know that's one of my favorite cards so that makes me yeah. even to, to hear it <laughs> i mean your your words i remember one, one of the things that really was running through my head a lot with that car was actually i think you did such a great job talking about your love for that card with rob i think it might have been on the very first time you were on Rob's podcast and you're talking about, you know, your favorite vintage cards and you're talking about just the 48 leaf Jackie, how much you loved it. And it was kind of like, man, some of those things, you know, those words were ringing in my ears. And then, so you were definitely part of, of the influence campaign that ended ended up with me getting that Jackie. Yeah. Nice man. That's awesome. Yeah. And we use that with each other. Sometimes we, it's kind of like lowercase influencer, right? We (laughs) we influence each other, I think in good ways to expand our collecting horizons and, you know, hopefully deepen our appreciation for certain cards. And I know we've all done that for each other a lot. And there are several folks in the chat here tonight with us who have done it as well. Yeah. So um, with that, you want to, you guys ready to move on to the scuba gear? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, cool. So, yeah, so we wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into, you know, we, we kind of had talked through a list of kind of different players that we thought we could talk about, um, you know, all their cards and kind of, you know, talk about them as a player. And we kind of were talking about a few different ones. And it we just, you know, with the fact that um, just this week, you know, um, Doby was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal posthumously, um, you know, both for his service in World War II, but also you know, for, you know, being the second African-American to, to join Major League Baseball. And so we thought, you know, it would really be cool if we um, if we we went deep dive into Doby. So maybe, um, Jonathan, do you want to start us off talking about Doby or his cards? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say this about Doby. I remember um, it, it was too recent when I really learned about his story and began to appreciate him. But one thing that stands out to me is if you think about baseball in 1947, the National League and the American League were very much two completely different leagues. And they met in the World Series once a year, right? And Doby, uh, he he joined uh, the Major Leagues, I think, three months after Jackie. And so it's just, um, 
you know, we don't celebrate him enough. It's really cool that on his what would have been his hundredth birthday, uh, he was given this award. I have a few Doby cards in my collection. I think, uh, you know, his rookie card is in the um, the iconic nineteen forty eight uh, Leaf set, and I'm not sure any of us have that card. I I'm going to share just my my best Doby card. Um, I I have a few others in in his lineup, um, but this is one that I. I just love so it's from the 1951 Bowman set. This is a PSA seven. It's it's as sharp as could be. It's a little off north south, um, but it's just a really cool uh, card of this guy at bat. And you know you can learn so much about baseball players by just reading the backs of the cards. And when you you know this is just 1951, so he had been in the the league three or four years. Um, and in the prior year, he had batted 326, uh, 25 home runs, 102 RBIs. And I think he might have been the first African-American also to win the World Series. He hit a home. He was the, certainly the first to hit a home run. And I, I believe it was his second year in the big leagues uh, that the Cleveland Indians won the World Series. So, I mean, this guy was a monster of a player. Certainly went through the same things that Jackie went through um, in the American League when he was going around. Um you know, being being a change agent and and also just a heck of a ball player. So this is one in, in the PC. I, I I have of course the fifty seven. I'm working on that complete set. Um, the fifty three Bowman color as well is a really cool card. But this this is one of my favorite Dobies certainly. Yeah, that's cool. What do you, what do you want to add on to that, Nate? Yeah, I love that card. That's um that's actually one that I have as well. I'll, I'll show here. Um, I don't have. A ton of signage, but I I do have this one in a in a ballpoint. It has the dreaded treating card up top that hopefully I can get fixed at some point instead of saying fifty one Bowman. So hopefully it's an actual real fifty one Bowman. I don't think that's a card that's been uh, faked too much. So, so I I think it's authentic and it, it sure looks like it. But um yeah you know pretty nice copy and a really cool signature across his white uniform. Um, uh, again, in ballpoint, pretty, pretty nice, uh, you know, uniform signature there. So uh, that's a cool card. And then um, I've got this, uh, I've got the 52 tops, um, which is a pretty neat one showing his uh, Cleveland uniform and looks like maybe in the batting cage uh, sort of background. Okay. And yeah, of course, the facsimile signature, it's this one's in a PSA three and um, nice looking card. And then the other Doby that I have is, um, is his 49 Bowman, which is one of his two rookies along with the, uh, the 48 leaf. And this is a card I, I really like quite a bit. It's one that I have gotten here, um, this year. And, uh, it's a nicely centered SGC four. Um, and I think a, a really good looking card. I, I kind of like it aesthetically a little better than the 48 leaf among his two rookie cards. I, the 48 leaf is a card that I want. It's, you know, one of those crazy rare short print leaf cards with a popular. Yeah. yeah like, I don't know, 150 or something like that. Um, and half of them I have is like face melted on them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. The registered population is probably a third of that, but, um, but the 49 card is, is pretty cool. And yeah, Jonathan, you know, as you said, looking at the backs is interesting. Um, says one of the few Negroes in the American league and one of the league's top ball players. 
He appeared in 121 games for the Indians during their 1948 drive to the World's Championship, and he hit 301 for them. So yeah, he you know came in and along with Satch made a. I think that that was the last World Series the Cleveland franchise won was 1948 with Doby and right. Satch, right? And um, you know, and one other uh, thing I'll just add, yeah, I um, I uh, happened to catch Larry Doby Jr.'s uh, acceptance speech for the Congressional Gold Medal. And for folks who haven't checked that out, it's it's really worth it. He talks only for probably 10 or 12 minutes, but he gives a, a really interesting talk and um, in particular hits on a lot of the people that were very helpful and influential to his dad and, you know, and kind of what he went through and helping to break down the, the color barrier. And one of the cool things um, I thought in particular in listening to him was uh, hearing about his relationship with Bill Vack, who was the owner of the Indians that kind of, you know, made the decision to bring Doby on. And, you know, one of those kind of trailblazer owners. Um, and, you know, so he was kind of the American League, you know, branch Ricky, if you will, making that decision. And um, and Larry Doby Jr. talked about how uh, his dad always spoke really, really highly of Vack, and they had a great relationship, just really like Branch Rickey did with Campy and, and with Jackie. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and Larry Doby's father passed away when he was really young. Um, he was an only child, and he referred to Bill Vack as kind of like a father figure to him and sort of what he had hoped his dad would have been like if he had gotten to know him better. So it's kind of neat to, you know, sort of connect some of those relationship dots in terms of thinking about integration as well. And, you know, both of the, in both the AL and the NL, it wasn't just like kind of, Hey, let's do this for the organization or to win games or whatever. Like it was, it was a lot deeper than that for the guys that were helping to make the decisions to integrate. And the guys that came in and actually integrated really ended up having some extremely long-term and meaningful relationships with those guys, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool because, um, you know, both Jackie and Larry, like their their performance on the field, you know, is what moved the needle so much for the league, right? You got, as you pointed out, you've got like Dobie and Satchel Paige on that that 48 Cleveland team that won the World Series. And, um, you know, the proof was in the pudding that the, the teams could perform really well with, with these players, right? And it's, it's pretty amazing. Like if you look at, Doby statistically right like he actually I think people thought that he and Monty Irvin were going to be the first people to integrate baseball and if you look on baseball reference you can see that like his last year like last full season in the the Negro Leagues as a 22 year old he had like a 1030 OPS he was he was just like totally dominant right and then when he comes into Major League Baseball he actually he has a very high on base percentage. So his his career on base is 389 for his career, right? So he walked a lot. Um, and, you know, he has like a very, like his cumulative war, I think is just under 60. Um, and he's kind of like the 18th ranked center fielder, um, according to Jaw. So like, you know, he's not just like, I think oftentimes it's like, oh yeah, he was the second player to integrate baseball, but he was, he was a damn good player, right? He was, he was really very, very good. And I think in, in that 48 world series, he hit like 318 with like a 500 slugging percentage. So, I mean, he could, he could crush the ball, dude, the dude could seriously, he could seriously play. 
And so um, the car, I only have two of his cars. Actually, I had that 51 Bowman car at an 8.5, like a ridiculously high grade. And I remember um, ended up selling it to one of our buddies, uh, Vintage Lab Man, because I was like, this card is just like kind of too much card for me. But I remember buying it and it was like ridiculously cheap considering it was an 8.5 from one of the best sets of all time. Kind of kind of regret moving that one a little bit. So the, 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 the two I wanted to show of uh, Adobe were the the older brother of the 51 Bowman, the, the 1950 Bowman Dobie, right? Same image. Um, I just, I just, isn't that image just so cool? Like you got him like kind of with these baggy pants, which which looks cool, but then you've got like this pretty detailed image of the, the crowd behind him and um, just a really stunning card. I mean, I really would like to get a 49 Bowman um, that's on my want list, um, but pretty happy with the the 50 bowman at least at least that'll 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 get me through the night <laughs> um it's a beautiful example uh thank you thank you the other one i wanted to show was this raw 1956 tops Dobie. so this actually i don't really think is a particularly wonderful card of him um but it's very interesting because like look at his hat so he he was on the white Sox as as, as it says on here chicago white Sox. But look at his hat like that. That C is not a Chicago C. That, no. that C is a Cleveland C. Yeah. So it's interesting card where they still have him in the the Cleveland jersey and and hat, but he's on the White Sox and they have him labeled as such. So obviously, this was in the days before Photoshop. Of course, they you know these are artist renditions of photos, but it's, I'm kind of surprised they didn't you know Photoshop in a socks hat. Is just kept it as, as Cleveland. And I looked through all of my other cards in the 56 top set just to prove to myself that there weren't any White Sox players who had a cap that looked like that. And so I'm pretty sure that's um that's his Cleveland cap. So that was the new thing I learned about Larry Doby cards uh when I was looking through my cards today. Um maybe one last point here. Um and looking through his cards, right, he, he's like, it's really weird. He's like missing from some key sets, even though he was there. So he's missing from 53 tops. He's missing from 55 tops. He's also missing from 55 Bowman. Um, the 53 and 54 Bowman Larry Doby cards are both really, really nice looking cards. Yeah. Um, the, the Bowman in 53 is a Bowman color, like, got him kind of at the edge of the dugout like looking up it's just like man i gotta get that one that was the one when i was looking today i was like man i'm just i gotta up my adobe game here i don't have that one and that's a that's a real nice looking card for sure yeah i i also um have the 49 bowman on my want list as well that's that's a beautiful card and i've i've come to appreciate that set more and more i wanted to share something from the comments let's spread a little knowledge we're getting from the community uh so nate earlier shared a, a signed Doby card, a 51 Bowman that said trading card on the PSA slab. And, and Luke, Bleecker Street card says that that is should be a sign that it's authentic. They Otherwise, they would put reprint card on the slab. And, and then our buddy JT, July Tango Whiskey said, sometimes it also says just card, which can be a reprint as well. So good, good news for you, Nate, that it said trading card, which yeah, it looked authentic to me. Right, for sure, yeah. And Luke is certainly a very good authority on, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, signed vintage. He's he's our leading authority, I think. And yeah, and I know JT has a lot of experience. And um, we were just talking with JT about that very issue just tonight. So totally interesting. I think he was looking at a Pete Rose, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. it's, you know, to, to dig into the point just for a minute further, it's, I think, a little, I don't know, I, I need to learn a little bit more about it, but it's surprising to me that PSA is not more specific when they come across a card that it, it seems like they should, for every card that they grade, indicate whether it's authentic or not, right? It's, say if it's a, a reprint or say if it's, you know, w- what set it's from, Um if you're going to authenticate the auto as well, I think would be most collectors preference that like there shouldn't be a grading option. That's that cheap that they don't at least authenticate. Yeah, it should. It shouldn't be an upcharge to say what card it is. If they're already theoretically uh, validating the authenticity of the card by saying trading card, just put it on the slab. Right. It's, it's weird though, too, because I, I have a, so I have a 1974 Laughlin um, all time, old time black stars of um oh god the name escapes me um oh um cool papa yeah cool papa bell so i have a cool papa bell um signed um card from from that set it's clearly from that set and in the, the slab on that one just says card it just says card it doesn't say trading card it just says card mm-hmm. so it, yeah. i mean i think i think it, from like a company level i think psa just like treats like autographs like really kind of in a separate world than cards almost. And obviously we're coming to it from like card land, but I feel like they treat it almost as like a very quasi independent business unit, which is unfortunate for us because it leads to some confusion in the marketplace sometimes as to like, what am I looking at here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Matthew, you know, I appreciated your talk about Dobie and, you know, a lot of, a lot of great points there. And um, which one, which Bowman card was it that you said is high on your list to get? It was it the 53 or 54. 53 i mean well i like both of them a lot but I, the 53 is a set that i i'm not i don't have enough cards there and every time i see them i'm like man those are nice cards yeah and jonathan i know you love that set too and that's one of the um one of the raw pages that you're doing right that's right yep yeah i i almost showed uh one of the cards i have from from my raw page i i have several that i was i was proud of uh but one of them is that the jethro that's a beauty uh, and uh, yeah, I I actually have the Dobie in uh, in a slab. I think I have it in the SGC five. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I really do want to get the forty eight leaf, but you got to have real conviction to want that. You know, it's, I mean to to get uh uh, and I don't care if it's pretty beat up. I and honestly, I don't even care if it's that well centered, but it needs to be reasonably well registered for me, right? I can't it can't blur my mind when I look at it. So. Um, you know, and to do that, it's, it's a pretty substantial investment because that card is just so rare. So I, I know that that's a card eventually that I'll end up in my collection, but I'm, it's going to have to be the right card when I have the right conviction and the right budget for it. Yeah. Our, our buddy, uh, Jared, uh, pretty, what is it? Is it pretty good sports cards? Yeah. He has one. He yeah. has a 48 leaf Dobie. And actually I saw, and his is well registered. Um, I, I actually saw one on Nat 54 just the other day. I think it's a PSA 4 well, well registered. Mm. I think it's like 5K, which seemed like expensive, but not that expensive, considering yeah. that it's like 4 is pretty high grade. And with good registration, I was like, hmm. Yeah, when you said that, I expected you were going to say a bigger number than 5 <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's yeah, that's that's great stuff. And I'm glad, you know, Matthew is a great idea to um, to dig in on on Doby, you know, right at this time. And I can't mention this, but he got the um, Congressional Gold Medal on the day that was his 100th birthday. 
um, which is which is pretty neat. Um, I think it was also right around the 20th anniversary of when he passed away. He died at 80 years old. Um, and I just pulled up here on the, the Congressional Gold Medal. It says um, it's an award bestowed by the United States Congress. It's the highest civilian award in the United States alongside the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The gold medal seeks to impart the highest expression of national appreciation for distinguished achievements and contributions by individuals or institutions. So uh, a pretty high honor he got the other day. Yeah. I guess one more thing I wanted to add and then that I read today, which was pretty interesting, was that, you know, because he played, he was in the service, right? He was in World War II. And, you know, as, as many like baseball players during that time, you know, he played baseball like when he was in when he was um, in the armed forces. And um, I think it was it, I remember reading that, like, um, I think a white player who was on the Washington Senators, like played against him in those like military games. And he's like, man, this this Toby guy is good. And he wrote like a letter to the the um, Washington Senators ownership and was like, you guys really consider like getting this guy. He's a very, very good player. Right. And I feel like it's off. It's interesting to think about the role that World War Two played on the integration of baseball. Right. It was it was a really significant factor in the sense that you had a lot of, you know, the, the statement was that, you know, we've got people that that were, are willing to die for the country, but we're not willing to, like, put them in a major league baseball game. Like, does that make sense? Right. It's interesting to, to think about it from that perspective. Great point. Yep. All right. You guys want to move on to the next thing? Yeah, let's let's lose some friends here. I, I think we're going to have fun with the next topic. Yeah, we always have a great time with this one. So this is what you're going to do the rocking the boat topic. Uh, Nate, do you want to lead us off here? Yeah, sure. Um, that that sounds good. Um, I think I've gotten some of the most blowback for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the overrated segments. Um, so yeah, should we, uh, is it okay if we start with underrated? Go around and do that one first. I, yeah, let's do that. I think that's what we've done. So. Um, so I'm actually going to continue with a card that I, I just showed and um, a couple more cards and, and talk about that set a little bit. So I'm going with the um, 1949 Bowman set as uh, as an underrated one from my perspective. And so I've got the Dobie that I'm still showing. I've also gotten my uh, my Jackie Robinson and, and Satchel Paper that set um so kind of for me at least a, a big three from that set I've, I've got out here um and so the the 49 bowman set um when i call it underrated i'm not saying that it's unappreciated because certainly it is i think you know most vintage collectors um hold the set in in pretty high regard and you know a lot of people collect it uh you know and, and many collect it um, you know, pretty energetically, but I do still feel like it is a bit underappreciated and that to me, it feels like a set that should be mentioned, if not in the same breath as 48 leaf and 52 tops and some of these other, you know, really, really upper echelon vintage sets, then boy, it should be knocking on the door of, of those sets. Um, you know, and in particular 48 leaf, which was issued right around the same time, I think within months of each other. And, you know, I say 48 leaf, but um, certainly there's, you know, a lot of talk about is it 48 or is it 49? And I think the 
Um, the best uh, information is that it was actually issued early in 1949. And I think most people pretty commonly refer to it as 4849 leaf. And Bowman was issued, I think, just after that, you know, just a, a couple months later in 49. So they were right around the same time. And, you know, I feel like in terms of uh, kind of talk that those sets get, you know, in particular, like comparing those two, 48 leaf gets so much love. And yep. there's maybe no bigger, you know, I I feel like I can speak to this because there's no bigger fan of 48 leaf than me. Like, I, I love that set, but I'm but I feel like 49 Bowman gets overlooked a little bit. <laughs> Arts are beautiful. They're yeah. the cards are really interesting. The set is a little bit bigger. It the, one of the cool things that the leaf set has is the short prints, um, you know, which are really, really rare and fun to chase. But 49 Bowman also has the high numbers. Um, the set is. Uh, has 240 cards and it's numbers 145 to 240 that are the high numbers that are, you know, certainly nowhere near as rare as the leaf cards, but maybe more similar to like the high numbers from 52 tops, you know, where it's um, maybe kind of roughly half or two thirds of, you know, sort of the normal number. Like, you know, the Dobie, for example, the total PSA pop on the, the 49 Bowman Dobie is only about 600. I guess that's a pretty small number for a, an important post-war card. The Satch is about 1,000, and the Jackie is about 1,800. So the Satch is also a high number. The Satch and Dobie are high numbers, and the Jackie's in that first 144. So that gives you a little bit of a sense, like, you know, if the Jackie's at 1,800, the Satch would probably be at around 1,800 if there were the same number of them out there, because they roughly similar values, and that often kind of helps to drive the, you know, the PSA pop. So maybe you think there's about half, maybe a little little more than half of the high numbers. So, you know, that adds, I think, a little bit of an interesting element. Another cool thing that 49 has that is, you know, a pretty important distinction from 48 Leaf is it has the Roy Campanella and Duke Snyder rookie cards. And it also has a really cool Yogi Berra card. Um, 48 Leaf has some cool cards that 49 Bowman doesn't in the Ted Williams, the Joe DiMaggio, and then the posthumous Babe Ruth. So they each kind of have some different ones, but having the only Campy, the only Duke Snyder, and a pretty cool early Yogi Berra, I think are some you know, pretty nice distinctions that the the 49 Bowman set has. And then, um, you know, the Satch in particular feels like a, a really underrated card to me. Like his leaf card is so rare that it almost like doesn't exist. And then you've got the 50, ghost. Yeah, right. And then you've got 53 tops. And then this high number, fairly uncommon 49 Bowman card that I think, you know, we all agree is really, you know, one of the better like post-war vintage baseball cards, maybe one of the better vintage baseball cards overall, just, you know, beautiful card of such an important player. Um, you know, not a ton of them out there. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite cards in, in my collection and knowing that there's only a thousand of them that have been graded by PSA, you know, I, a lot of the cards that, you know, I think are heavily like say from the 51 Bowman set, the mantle and maze numbers are, you know, multiples of that, you know, just just as an example. So, you know, there's relative scarcity. I think there's beautiful color. There's a tremendous, um, you know, group of rookies. One of the things I love about both 48 Leaf and 49 Bowman is that they're just post integration. So they really help 
capture, you know, the kind of integration era of baseball. And that makes those sets both feel more important to me. So and thinking about it as underrated, I just I look at 48 Leaf and I love it. And everybody loves 48 Leaf and talks about it all the time. But why don't we talk about 49 Bowman a little bit more? And then there's a little bit of an interesting story about that, too, that I'm I'm not sure everyone knows. But um, Bowman actually sued Leaf in May of 1949. Um, we all know Leaf only had one year, right, that they produced cards. So. Bowman had signed contracts with a lot of these guys and Leaf went ahead and printed their cards anyway. So Bowman took them to court in Philadelphia where Bowman was from. They were they were based and they got, I think, a pretty friendly court and got a uh, restraining order on Leaf so that such that they couldn't print any more cards. They ended up entering into um, some type of settlement and Leaf was supposed to be able to start printing cards again, in I think, in 1951. But as we know, they they never actually did it. And one of the people that joined that lawsuit, there were a few players that joined it along with Bowman. One of them was Warren Spahn. So we all love the 48 ball. I'm sorry, the 48 Leaf Spawn card. Yeah. Uh, he was actually on the side that helped put Leaf out such that they could make <laughs> after that. So that, that's a new one for me. I'll tell you this. The the yeah. 49 set, it's a good pick. What they really screwed up was the marketing of the year. They should have just called it the 48 moments. We we learned in 2022, I, if you recall, there were still uh, new Justin Herbert rookies being printed or LaMelo Ball, and they were they were printing uh, 2020 sets in 2022 in, in the modern sports card world. So they yeah. should have just called their 1949 uh, Bowman set the 1948 Bowman set. And I, I think that it wouldn't have been such an uphill battle because it's it's funny how the perception of that really matters. Yes, totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. That you know, or, or maybe forty eight and a half because they did have the forty eight <laughs> black and white. <laughs> we all love a half grade here, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So that's uh, that's my pick. How about you guys, Matthew? What what are you going with as as underrated? So I'm going to have to go with two because I think one of them is so closely related to yours. And I'm such like a I'm such like a 1950 Bowman homer. Like just I just love 1950 Bowman. And like you said, like, you know, if you think about like 1949 Bowman, like kind of getting kind of getting screwed next to 48 Leaf, you've got 1950 Bowman really gets hosed because it's, it's kind of like seen as like less than to both. 48 Leaf and 49 Bowman. And then also you've got the Monster 51 Bowman coming up, you know, right afterwards that has the Maze rookie and the Mantle rookie and the Whitey Four, right? So it's um so it's kind of like kind of like seen as like kind of a little brother to those those sets. But I I, I love this set so much. And I think I've spent like a significant fraction of my Instagram talking about how I think 1950 Bowman is pretty underrated because um, you know, I think it's kind of a landmark set from a design perspective because it's the first set, you know, where you've got like the detailed color backgrounds, right? You've got like color in, in cards previous to that, but I don't think there's one where you get like an actual like color background, right? This like set the stage for, you know, I feel like 1950 Bowman is what created, you know, 1952 tops. It's, it created all of those kind of subsequent um, sets and 
And I feel like the, you know, the Jackie Robinson is like, is such, such a big deal card. I think it, it looks super cool. We've, we've talked about it like in this chat several times. I think Jonathan, you might've even showed yours last time. You're just amazing example. So, yeah. so I, I might not harp on that one too much. Cause I feel like everybody knows that I love that set. And I do think it's severely underrated. Um, the other one that I wanted to show, which is a more maybe modern is good old 1984 Don Ross, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> this set is the bomb. This set is so cool. And, um, you know, obviously we think about like the Mattingly rookie. That was a really big deal card in the set. But I'm just upset or obsessed with the design of these cards. Like this one has this cool like uh, uh, catadioptric bokeh that you see where you see like all of the, like the background images are these little circles. And I'm currently like formatting or formulating my own checklist of all of the, the Boca cards that are in 1984 Donruss. And that, like, that's the set I'm going to build in 2024 because I'm really jazzed about it. And I feel like, yeah, it's like junk wax, but it's, it's like gorgeous. Like the photography is amazing. I'm obsessed with this Ryan Sandberg. So the underrated set that I that I kind of my secondary one to is the obvious one uh, is 1984 Don Russ. Awesome choices, Matthew. I see an 84 Don Russ raw set in a binder in your future. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna give you guys hell about not choosing underrated enough sets until you busted on 84 Don Russ and you just completely stripped that argument away. <laughs> yeah, that was solid. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I feel like. It's, I mean, I'm like such a nerd about it because I feel like I could just go online and just buy like a complete set of 1984 Donruss. But I feel like like going through and looking at every picture and determining whether the photography was was in this group or not, like that's the work that I want to put in. Like that's the thing that I want to make. So I'm really excited. I think I've only threw like, I think there's like 600 cards in the set and I've only looked through maybe like the first 80 and I think I found like five, but one of them is Ozzy Smith. So I'm like, oh, sweet. No, sweet. In there. Yeah, those are big sets. All right. I'm going to show you guys a for real underrated set right here. This is BAM 1958 Tops Baseball. So I'm showing a couple cards, super colorful. Um, my Spawn with the green, the Willie Mays and Stan Musil, the all-star card. So let me give you a couple a couple facts about the set, and but really the art, what the point I want to make is a visual one. So uh, this was the set that had the first ever Stan Musial tops card. It was the All Star card. Um, Stan, I think, didn't have he had a contract with with Bowman prior to that, and uh, didn't ever sign with Tops until this one. It was the last uh, Larry Doby card and the last Ted Williams playing days card in this set. Uh, you've got the Roger Maris rookie, the Orlando Cepeda rookie. That's the only Hall of Fame rookie in the set. The Kurt Flood. And it was also the first set that had a subset of all-star cards, which I love. But the reason I actually picked this set is the color. Um, and you guys, so we were looking earlier at 61 Fleer basketball. And that's a great example of a design motif in cards where they take a photograph and they die cut around it and put this up different bold colorful backgrounds and this is something that was done a lot in hockey cards by tops and parkhurst it was done a lot in basketball card sets through the 70s done a lot in uh football cards there's a lot of great football sets that have those really bright backgrounds i believe and tell me if i'm wrong guys or anyone in the chat but i believe 58 tops baseball 
is the only major Topps baseball set where they did this really bright die-cut backgrounds around the photographs. Every other set, you know, 59, they had photographs with backgrounds and then kind of a colorful border. Um, and I just love the look of these cards. You got Mantle with the orange. You've got the uh, the Koufax with the yellow background. So they've got these beautiful colored variations. And I think it's such a beautiful set for that reason. Um, and, and also just some really underrated cards in it. So that's my pick for underrated. I love that choice, Jonathan. I, I think... I mean, being kind of vintage card nerds, like we're, we're always talking about color, right? And we just love those cards with like the strong color background. And um, 58 Bowman or 58 Tops was like, it's, you know, you can maybe make an argument that it's 59, but it's really 58 is the one that evokes those older cards the best, right? I always think about the the 58 banks that's one of my favorite ernie banks cards that you know we love the yellow card and and you know that's one of them um i i love that choice great i love that one what about what do you think nate yeah i do as well i that's that's really kind of the last year that i really sort of enjoy and kind of aggressively collect you know and and it's i you know because i think we we see um, and, and we've talked about it some, we see the populations of the cards really start to kind of shoot up, you know, around 57, 58. So you got a lot of them. And Jonathan, I know you've talked about like you walk around the shows and you see a lot of these, you know, you starting in kind of 50, 58, 59, you start to see a lot of them. And I think that's maybe why it gets overlooked a little bit because they are a little more common, but that set has so much going for it, in, including just the beauty of it. And I, I actually have... Um, a fun connection with that set because, um, you know, I did a little bit of vintage collecting when I was a kid collecting in the eighties with my dad. And, um, one of the, probably if we had a, a vintage, um, project, it was trying to assemble all the hall of fame, all-star cards from the 58 set. So, you know, the, red backgrounds for the AL cards and the light blue backgrounds for the NL cards. And so I still have a couple pages, you know, loose, uh, ungraded raw pages of cards from uh, from the all-star cards from that set. So I still love pulling those out and looking at them. And that's part of what makes that set, kind of, you know, particularly special for me. So I think it's a great choice. It's, it's, yeah. it's the. The all, speaking of the All-Stars, the mantle the, with the red and the stars, you know, that's a lot of folks. That's one of the first mantles they go for because it's such yeah. a pretty card. They go pretty cheap. I think, Nate, you have that one signed, don't you? I do. Yeah. And yeah. For, yeah, in part because of the connection to collecting as a kid. And, and yeah, like that was one of the most special cards to me as a kid was that 58 All-Star mantle. And I know our friend Vintage Slab Man feels, you know, Steve feels the same way and that's always been a special card for him. And it's one, you know, it's cool f- for younger or newer collectors because it's older. It's a 50s mantle. It's a great looking card, right? With the stars and the red background and the full swinging pose. Um, Matthew would go well, it, you know, with the the 50 Jackie and the babe, right? That, that yeah. was, and, and it's inexpensive, right? Because, you know, the pops are a little bit higher. It's an all-star card. So it's super accessible, but just a great looking card that's, fairly early mantle so uh, uh for many of us that's kind of where we start 
Yeah. And from the comments, one more yeah. teacher online mentioned that uh, you mentioned the 58 Brooks Robinson. I almost showed that one. I, I I pulled up three cards. If I picked a fourth, it would be that. I shared it in a prior episode, but we fondly refer to it as the fart face Robinson. Uh, but <laughs> I, I love that card. It's such a funny image they picked of him. They've also got a lot of agreement in the chat about uh, the 58 all-star cards. So you got Bubba and Papa's cards. He says, totally agree. I'm committed. I just committed to procuring all the 58 all-star cards. Bob Hosta collection, 58 all-star subset is so gorgeous for the price. And a lot of people, def- that's, that sort of seems like a an opinion that is strongly held within the folks in the chat. They, they're, they're loving that. Well, I'm confident I will lose the chat when I share my overrated <laughs> opinion. <laughs> That's the point. If you do it properly, Jonathan, yeah. I'd lose yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's do it. Let's go down the the overrated subset. So I you, you guys want me to lead off on this one? I can lead off. Head it. Head it. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if this one's going to be too offensive. We'll see. There's some people who hold this set in high regard. I particularly I don't like it very much. 1968 top. <laughs> so JT might come back for us. We've already took a big dump on Nolan Ryan. Um, <laughs> obviously, 1968 tops is most famous for the Nolan Ryan rookie and the Johnny Bench rookie. But I don't know, man. This set it just does not do it for me. I actually really love 67. I really love 67. I think it looks awesome. I think 69 is pretty good, not as good as 67, but man, I think 68 is a big whiff for me. I just like, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of like this random dotted brown wood border. It just looks kind of sad. Like when you think about like, it feels like when people, when people take a crap on like the 1960s and 1970s as like, as like a decade and they think about like badly colored station wagons and stuff i feel like this card evokes that feeling in me it's just like you know and the other thing too obviously is like both the ryan rookie and the bench rookie are you know there's a rookies where they're sharing the card with somebody else and it's like oh okay you know i'd rather have like the 69 for both of those guys i think the coolest card in 68 tops is probably the Seaver, right that's the Seaver card with the rookie cup that's probably like nicest looking card but man yeah the burlap sack as tj is online notes i just i just don't i i I mean i have one for my banks run right that's the card i'm showing you here which was like which is an eight which is like crazy but it was it was really cheap for an eight and i think it's because like nobody likes 1968 tops so i don't think it's a very uh controversial opinion except for the fact that you know people run around with their nolan ryans and their johnny benches and um, they're in love with those cards. So th- that's the set that I'm really, I, I don't like that one. Man, well, somebody's got to defend it, and I don't think it's going to be Nate. So I'll just say, you you know, you you picked a set that has two of the most revered rookie cards of the decade. And it's got some, re- another thing to uh, say for that set, it's got some really great multiplayer cards. There's one that's got uh, Brooks Robinson and Frank Robinson, I think. There's another one that has like, Mantle and Maze. Somebody in the chat probably knows the card. Oh, yeah, there's Killer Brew, Mantle, and Maze. And it's got some really awesome at the beginning of the set, um, the leaders cards from you know, the different categories like home runs and batting averages. I you're you're speaking to somebody who used to have that entire set. I actually uh consigned it with Greg Morris cards when I had to do some home upgrades and I needed to take out a little cash, but I used to have the whole set. I, I do 
I, uh, although the burlap sack sat, you know, rings true. I, I did, uh, at one point in time, have a lot of fondness for that set. <laughs> Bubba and Papa's card says that set smells like steel cigarettes. I think they <laughs> did pretty spot on there. <laughs> Jonathan, did you assemble that set? No, I bought it, um, in a, uh, love of the game auction, high grade set. Um, that had the whole set other than the Nolan Ryan card. And I already had that one. And it, I actually won the auction because of a misbid. <laughs> I was like, fast right. the iron number. <laughs> but I paid it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I paid it. And uh, enjoyed flipping through it. I got some of the cards graded and uh, it was fun to own for a couple of years. Nice. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't disagree. I, I'm glad you defended it, Jonathan, and saved me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have some of them that I collected as a kid, you know, and I did enjoy them at that time. And, you know, I, but I don't know. It's not not one I've been attracted to since. So not, I, I think it's a good choice. All right. Well, that was that was a tame, overrated pick, Matthew. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go next to, to spice this up. I'm going full shoeless Joe Jackson here with my pick. Jonathan, um, I, and- I, I I'm excited for yours. Should we maybe save it to last? Because mine's mine's okay. Like okay, okay, all right, guys, hang, hang on. We're gonna see what Nate's got first. Yeah, I don't, I don't, not the. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not preempting you. I want to. I want to build up. Like I, all I right. little, um, pregnant moment here where people are. <laughs> <laughs> so because mine, I like. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think too many people are gonna disagree with me. So, all right. So let's. Uh, I picked the 1940 play ball set. Um, maybe there will be some that, that disagree, but um, in Matthew, in, in picking your underrated set, you picked a set that was kind of a tweener with 50 Bowman, right? That was one of yours. And, you know, you're and it maybe gets overlooked where it should. And I, I think the 40 play ball set is kind of a tweener, you know, real classic tweener as well between, the 39 play ball set, um, which was, you know, the first set issued by the gum ink company, which later became Bowman and, um, you know, pretty interesting set. People might like it or dislike it, but it had some great rookies and, you know, pretty cool, um, black and white photography and, uh, or, you know, really kind of basic, but like kind of pretty design and its simplicity. And then the 41 play ball set, which, you know, has the, you know, a card that we all love and one of the great vintage cards and the um, 41 Joe DiMaggio, the 39, you know, has the the Ted Williams rookie. And then in between is the black and white 1940 play ball set, which, you know, I don't think really has any distinguished rookie cards. It has a double border design around the black and white photos and, it would and that combined with a banner at the bottom that kind of makes it feel sort of busy to me and kind of distracts from the black and white photo. Like if I'm gonna go black and white, I'm going with the 39 play ball set, which Absolutely. is yeah, to me like a beautiful photo that's nicely framed and just a great classic looking card. And if I'm going with something that with a little more kind of pizzazz and interest on it, I'm taking 41 play ball over 40 all day. Um but then the thing that's interesting is when you look at the prices, like there's not huge differences between these sets. You know, certainly if you look at 40 and 41 Joe D, the 41's a lot more expensive because it's such a classic. The 39 um, play ball Ted Williams is a lot more expensive than the 40 because it's the rookie. 
But if you look at cards other than that, um, you know, there really is not a big difference. Guys like Green, you know, Hank Greenberg and Mel Ott, Carl Hubble, like they're they're fairly close in price. And so mm. like, I don't really hear people talking about the 40 play ball set. So I wouldn't say it's overrated from that standpoint, but just value. Like it feels to me like it should be a fair bit below 39 and a lot below 41, but it just isn't. Um, the other thing that some might say it has going for it is um, some very rare um, cards of retired players, including guys like Walter Johnson and Christy Mathewson, Honus Wagner, and then circling back to Shoeless Joe. <laughs> yep. That's the best known one. And you know, that to me may be the most overrated card in the hobby because now you're combining my one of my overrated players with an overrated. <laughs> you know, and there's there's like 400 of those in the PSA pop. So it's pretty rare, but not like crazy rare. And that sells for a massive price, which, you know, I just if if there's a, any card that I'm absolutely certain I won't buy in 2024, it's probably that one. Um, I feel like that just to jump in that that the shoeless that card used to be really inexpensive. The 1940 yeah. Bowman or play ball shoeless. So I feel like it's 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 like that. I feel like the level that's at right now will evaporate. It doesn't. It doesn't seem sustainable to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep, yeah. So I'm sorry for anyone that collects 40 play ball. Like I feel worse going after a whole set. I think even than a player, just because <laughs> if someone's putting that set together, like, and I'll say, you know, just to be fair, like it's all subjective, right? And for whatever reasons we may have, like, you know, just because we're choosing a set that we don't like personally doesn't mean it's a bad set. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I picked this one as one that, from a price standpoint, at least com when I see it compared to what I feel like is the level of collectability and people talking about it, it feels a little bit high. But um, for anyone collecting it, like, I collect some pretty random stuff that a lot of people <laughs> don't as much as... Yeah, for, forty or sorry, forty play ball kind of reads as a rough draft for forty one play ball. But if you look at the chat, chat, I think some some folks are saying like, "Come on, Nate, it's not really that highly rated." It's it's like you know calling out uh, Luke Longley, the the teammate of Michael Jordan, for being overrated, dude. He, yeah, he won three right. championships. Right. Is highly rated? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, I agree with that. Except I look at the pricing, right? It's not like people talk about these cards as like cards that are they're super eager to get. Uh, maybe other than the shoeless, like I do hear people talk about that card, but um, but then like the price differentials don't really reflect it like they should. So yeah, so I guess in particular, it's kind of like Greenberg, Ott, and Fox probably all have similarly priced cards between the two, but like yeah, just looking at them, they're clear. The forty one is clearly superior. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. And for me, thirty nine too. You guys pick yeah. thirty for forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the I like the really simple black and white of of thirty nine. I really like. Uh, I one of the cards I need to get back is the Joe DiMaggio from thirty nine. Uh, even though it kind of looks like he's in jail a little bit. Like I just love the way that it looks. It's so like um just a classy color, classy picture. Yeah. All right, Jonathan, let's have it. All right. <laughs> so occasionally when I want to do a deep dive on a set, I go to the, to a website, The Cardboard Connection. And of the set I chose, Cardboard Connection says, while every collector has their own opinion on what constitutes the best vintage top set, 
Few can argue that this is among the most beautiful in terms of sheer aesthetic value. Well, I am among those few, ladies and gentlemen, who's about to argue it. And this is an ironic pick for me because just this week, I shared a picture on Instagram of a grouping of cards I have. And I said, this is my PC from this set, and I'm just about done. Uh, You might have thought, well, he must love that set. But the subtext there is, yeah, I only need maybe six, seven cards from this set, and I'm good. And uh, the set I'm talking about is the revered 1953 Tops baseball set, um, <laughs> which probably might be legit insane. Yeah, this is, this is uh, uh, this was the follow up to 1952 Tops baseball. Uh, this is a set that features about 400 uh, fully illustrated cards. So it was a it was a large set. Bob Hosta thinks I'm wrong. And I have um, I have a handful of cards from this set which are beautiful. I, I believe a minority of the cards in this set are among the most beautiful artwork in baseball card history. I'm looking at the Pee Wee Reese, the Satchel Page, the Jackie Robinson, which I just picked up, the um the Gilliam rookie, absolutely gorgeous. And there's a there's a handful of other cards. I really like the Matthews. But if you go through one at a time, the cards in set there, they had some of the best uh, sports artists in the world and they had some of the worst. <laughs> I present you. So I'm going to go through a few of the cards that I think are just such bad artwork. I can't even stomach them. The early win. Look at the shading on the guy's job. The Whitey Ford. He had that's demon the, eyes. Demon eyes. It's terrible. <laughs> The Mickey Mantle, Nate, and I know you and I have talked about the mantle. There is something with the shading that looks like the guy has blotchy spit, uh, blotchy skin. So I just got the the Warren Spawn from a buddy. Uh, pictures of cardboard. It looks like he's wearing makeup. This guy was not that pretty. Um, the the Monty Irvin clearly was was uh, painted by the same guy who did the early win. Could not do the proportions of the face, and and I'll I'll rest my case by saying uh, there's a common card. There's so many comments that have ridiculously bad artwork. But the Ray Boone, anybody who argues with me, Bob Lassa, pull up the Ray Boone and tell me that that is a beautiful looking baseball card. So um, while I'm a fan of a few of the best cards in the set, I am certainly not a fan of the worst. Dude, there's no way that that Monty Irvin is not a gorgeous card. That that like, okay, my, I think I think Whitey Ford, I think does look awful, but I think Monty Irvin's card looks pretty awesome. I think... Barra's card, even though that it doesn't look like him, I think it looks cool. Um, so I don't know, man. I don't know. Boo. I do, I disagree with you so bad on that. Jonathan, I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm not mad at that take. I'm I'm not, <laughs> and you know, I you got me on the fence at least. I'm not all the way there yet, but you know I have uh unique reservations about the mantle card from that set. You know, <laughs> and we've we've talked about that. Um, and you make some other good points about, you know, Spawn and Whitey and some of the others there, there was some, some, um, variation in the level of artwork. There are some great cards, the Jackie card. I absolutely love, like, I, I think that really is one of his, um, his better cards. So, you know, and like you said, you know, you, you caveated it. You said there's some exceptions that, um, the Willie Mays card is one that, and, you know, 
Matthew, we've talked about your evolution tonight on a card with the 48 Jackie. I'm kind of in the process of having that with the maze. It initially, I didn't love it. It didn't really look like him that much to me. The, um, the positioning that he's fielding the ball in didn't seem natural. I saw the actual photograph that it was based on, and that kind of helped me to appreciate that card a little bit more. And I'm coming around and starting to like it more and more. But initially, I wasn't a huge fan of the artwork on that one. Um, Jonathan, where's that one fall to you? Is that in the exception or is that in the rule for the set? You you guys know I have a nice example of that. Card. Um, but frankly, I'm kind of half in half out on it I, I it's interesting because it's one of the few that's not a portrait it really sh it's an action shot which is rare for the set but i don't love i don't love the artwork on that one either and you know what one thing more i'll say is if you look at sets that are all artwork like uh 1950 bowman 51 52 52 tops for the most part there's a uniformity uh even uh 33 gaudi uh certainly 48 leaf but this 53 set, again, look at it, and you can tell which cards got the top-level artists and which ones got the dunces. And there's some of the commons that are really laughable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like your take, nothing else, for the um, the boldness of it. You've, you've planted a seed in my mind. I'm, I'm going to spend some more time looking through some other of the cards, but it's uh, it, it's it's a good, bold take, man. I was just going to say, before anyone DMs me, you, you've got to look at the Ray Boone and then and then come defend the set. <laughs> so, yeah. So, OK, I, I'm going to go through card by card and like assess this thing because I just I just I'm just I'm just not feeling it, man. I think. OK, so, yeah, the, the artwork is definitely funky on some people's faces for sure. But 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 look at the rest of the design, like the big red or black name box at the bottom. I mean. The design is wrong. Just wrong. <laughs> I like the design, but man, there's there's something about the face that strikes me as mildly important to the overall artwork. <laughs> Particularly when it represents like three quarters of the surface here. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, thank you for representing like 95% of the hobby and defending that. Yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah, I, we all agree there are a lot of great cards from the set, but Jonathan, I think uh, you, you do make an interesting point about some of them for sure. I'll rest it there. Yeah. You, I don't know if you mentioned this, but also, what's the best rookie in the '53 set? Like a lot of so, like yeah, I, I I chose to go down the rant of the uh, the artwork itself, but I, but I could have made the point that interestingly, it doesn't have a Hall of Fame rookie. The two best rookies are that I think the Jim Gilliam, which I just picked up, and I love that card. He's a great player to learn about. Um, and, and the uh, the Haddocks, he, uh, Harvey Haddocks was a great pitcher, some World Series exploits. It's got this beautiful green background, and it's one of the cards I think is really nice to look at. It's a short print, high number. So those, those for me, are the two best rookies in the set. Got it. I mean, that's, that was one of my points about 68, actually, is that, like, I feel like the good sets are the ones that are great, even though there aren't any rookies, right? Though, the, the, like that's for me, that's like 1950 Bowman, that's 1956 Tops, and it's the exact opposite of 1968 Tops. Like 1968 Tops is garbage, and there happen to be like two rookies in it, right? It's like it's like the other side of the the world, uh, from from at least my point of view. But I did yeah. like. I think the poster boy for like 1953 tops is kind of funky is, is the Whitey Ford for sure. 
Right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you acknowledge the demon eyes. <laughs> Matthew, you have so much disdain for 68 tops. You had to double back at it again. Yeah, exactly. I was like, there's one more point I didn't make. Let me go back and stop on it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So you guys ready to kind of close this thing out? We're almost, we got five minutes to the hour and a half. Yeah, let's see. From our IT shenanigans. Okay. So one thing we wanted to talk about in the, in the closeout here maybe was, um, was card trees. I think we, I wanted to talk a little bit about card trees, right? We're, we're almost, you know, one week away from Christmas. You're seeing a lot of card trees get posted on uh, social media, right? Um, it seems to me that some people don't know what the shape of a Christmas tree is based on some of the shapes that I've seen. They don't understand that there's like a triangle and then underneath the triangle is like a line, like that's a tree. <laughs> but what I will say that I love, I love, um, I love uh, card trees, such a big fan of them. And I've spent like an inordinate amount of time thinking about who, what should be on my tree and how they should be organized. And at least for me, that it is a cool way to kind of close out the year and to think about, um, we've talked a lot about how fun it is to kind of like uh, pick out a subset of your cards that kind of makes sense somehow. And right. Some people might just take like, you know, my 15 favorite cards and make them into a tree or something like that. But, um, at least for me, I view it as an opportunity to like really overanalyze, okay, what should be in this row of the tree? What should be in this row of the tree? And I think, um, I'm going to roll mine out tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. Um, but I don't know what, what are your guys' thoughts? Are you guys doing card trees this year or no? I'm going to deal with the same thing I did last year and try to actually put the cards like ornaments in my Christmas tree, get a photograph of it. So we'll oh, see. Cool. I, I, I've, uh, I'm going to do it all as pickups from the year, like I did last year and hopefully try to get a good photo. What about you, Nate? Yeah, I, I plan to do one as well. I've, I've enjoyed doing it. Matthew, I, I'm not sure I do quite as deep of a dive as you do, but do agree that it's a good opportunity to kind of sit down and reflect on where we are at the end of the year with our collecting. And so, you know, I, I definitely enjoy it for that reason. And any opportunity to try to create like another cool image or two out of our collections is is an opportunity I'm not likely to pass up. So, yeah, I'll, I definitely plan to do one. So. Very cool. TJ is on mine notes that some of us will do the peanuts slash Charlie Brown Christmas tree version. <laughs> They'll have the 1984 Don Russ and then <laughs> right. Jose can say goes and stuff. I'll say every year people kind of come up with some really neat surprising trees like people get really creative with it and do some things that i haven't seen before and so i definitely look forward to seeing what other people do and matthew i've gotten a sneak preview at yours in process and i, I think it's it's pretty awesome and i think we said may may already be on the verge of winning the prize for the yeah. best tree. i haven't even started coming out yet but i look forward to seeing your final version very nice yeah thanks yeah i'm really Super jazzed on that. Um, let's see some other ideas of things that we want to talk about um, just in the last minute here. We're just maybe some reflections on 2023 overall. I think this might be our last, last episode of, of calendar year 2023. So maybe we can shoot it over to you, Jonathan. Any thoughts on 2023 hobby? Man, this year for me, I mean, I my whole life I had been into the cards, but this was the year where I really found community in the hobby. I mean, Matthew, I remember 
when uh, we first met in person, you were in Salt Lake City. I'll, 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 I showed you this card in person, which is going to be on my tree. This is this is a 1950 Bowman Ted Williams that used to be Matthews. He he traded it away for his uh, in a, in a bulk lot for his mantle, and I thought that's got to come back into the family. And so I went out and and found it and got it, and uh, just all of us hanging out at the national. So many folks who've been in the chat here, folks who I consider friends just from Instagram. So it's been so fun to find that community this year and realize. This isn't going to be transient. This is going to be something that's going to stay with me for decades. And it's been uh, been an awesome year from that standpoint. Very cool. Yeah, well said. Well said. Nate, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, very well said. You know, certainly the cards, um, you know, and I, I got set up here a few of my kind of favorite pickups from this year, and they're all in green. So it was, it was a big green year for me. I got the 48 Leaf DiMaggio the 34 Gaudi Gehrig, the 33 Gaudi Ruth. And Josh Hall of Fame cards is here, and he helped uh, set me up with the the Ruth. He knew from the National that that was a card that I needed to complete my Ruth Quartet. Um, and, you know, talking about community and having people out there looking out for you, he helped to to set me up with this, uh, this really nice copy to complete that. So, you know, the cards and the community are intertwined, and um, Jonathan, I think you said it beautifully in terms of, you know, the importance of the community and the permanence of our place in, you know, in the hobby, hopefully, you know, and hopefully we keep growing with it and meeting new friends and deepening the friendships that we have. And I'll say, um, you know, one of the, well, one thing I love certainly is going to shows, you know, and, and having that opportunity to get some time in person and, you know, the time with you guys and several of our other friends in Chicago was was incredible. Really looking forward to Cleveland this coming July. Um, and then, you know, one of the the really cool things this year, certainly too, has been, you know, starting this project with you guys. And, um, you know, I think we've just really gotten that rolling here in, in the last couple months. And I'm pretty excited to see where we can take this in the year ahead. I think, you know, there's a lot of content out there that's more focused on modern and more focused on the financial aspects of the hobby. And, a little less focused on the aesthetics and the community and and that stuff. And, you know, I think that's what we're trying to represent. And um, it's based on our friendship and our, our love for, for the cards. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a cool thing we're doing and hopefully we can keep it going in the year ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Really. That's, that's really great. And I think, you know, I think too, like my, I got like some great cards in 2023, but the biggest thing for me was, you know, it was the, it was the national, right meeting you guys like in person at the national like i i will say that i generally like don't like card shows and and like my last memory of a card show was i think i went to uh, the chantilly show and this probably was like 2007 and it was like man if i i love cars but i do not like this like it was just like <laughs> everybody just seemed sad everybody you know it was like just a bunch of overpriced like 56 tops common you know and um and so even though we got a lot of great cards this year, it was like, it was really fun to kind of go beyond, you know, the interactions that, that, that we have through Instagram and, and really like meet up in person and just, um, have, you know, it was so much fun when we were just ripping that, that wax, right. Um, and then the lobby of the hotel there and just having a grand old time, that was, that was really fun. And so as um, you said, Nate, I'm also pretty excited about like, um, you know, what we're going to be able to hopefully do over the next year um, with regard to rough cuts and, and, you know, maintaining, 
kind of this regular ish, um, <laughs> hour and a half together every couple of weeks. Um, I hope that we continue that cause I think it's a lot of fun and I hope that, um, you know, it's been great doing it on Instagram live. Cause then we have like some community of people to interact with and, and hopefully we can find ways to kind of deepen that interaction with people. Um, I think that would be lots of fun and that's really what I'm looking forward to. Great yeah. take for sure. Yep. And yeah. And you know, on, on that note, thank you to everyone in the chat tonight at, you know, Hank Aaron, PS, um, some of our other friends, Josh Hall of Fame cards that TJ is online, you know, a lot of you guys that join us frequently for this, we, we really appreciate it and, you know, love having you guys on live with us. And then, you know, the folks that tune in by podcast as well, but you know, I think, you know, those, uh, those friendships and interactions with you guys are, are the reason that we get on and do it and we love it when other people get on and talk and we listen to you know to folks that do it as well and you know i enjoy getting on just to hear what you guys are going to talk about you know i think it, it i would want to do this even if we weren't making it available to anyone other than the three of us but oh, no. uh, enjoyed it guys and uh yeah it's been been a great year collecting and, and looking forward to some more great stuff ahead yeah all right happy holidays everyone we'll see you in 2024 See you guys later. This has been a production of Rough Cuts. We'll see you next time.